listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, and I'm your host, Jason Cook. Uh, today, Raiko Celic. Sorry, I almost got that wrong again, didn't I, Raiko? <laughs> Raiko Celic is uh, joining us with his program 3MJ. Now, just remind us again, Raiko, what 3MJ actually stands for. Thank you. Uh, it's 3Ms. You have the movement then you have the message and the mission. And J stands for Jesus. So you have the movement, message, and mission of Jesus Christ. Okay. And we've been uh, covering particularly the last week of Jesus' ministry over the past few weeks. Um, now, Raiko, what have you been up to? You're normally um, in Burnie, and you look after three churches down in Tassie up on the northwest, but um, I believe you're not in Burnie today. No, I'm actually up in Sydney, and there's a reason why last year in December I had a cousin that was uh, getting married, and uh, we came up for the wedding, and they, he, he did eventually get uh, married. There was about 10 people at his wedding, but we had to dodge Sydney because of COVID. Um, that happened. We were in Sydney, and about uh, a day later, the following day, we left Sydney. We went down to Canberra, and then uh, everything broke out, especially in the northern part of Sydney. And so we dodged Sydney for about three weeks, hanging out in Canberra, Bega, uh, South New South Wales. and uh, It sounds like did... you've been everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was a good time. Unfortunately, we didn't attend the wedding because if we came back to Tassie, then we would have to quarantine, and then there was a camp that was supposed to be on, but then that got cancelled. But now they're having a special dinner this coming week on Thursday, and so oh, we've decided, uh, my wife and I have decided, hey, we'll come up and um, we'll support them. Yeah, awesome. Well, it's good to still have you with us, uh, even though you're at a, a further distance, normally just uh, a shorter distance. So, uh, But yeah, um, now just to remind our listeners, we have a, uh, a number you can contact us on if you've got questions throughout the program, if you want to um, take advantage of some of the offers that we offer, you can use this number as well. So I'll give it to you now and you can put it in your phone. It's 488 I'll also just remind you that um, you can uh, listen to our back episodes, uh, previous episodes of our programs, using the Faith FM website and also the Faith FM app. Now, the Faith FM website is faithfm.com.au. So, Raiko, uh, I think um, we probably should just spend a couple of minutes reviewing our previous episodes. I'm not sure if you want to pray to get started, but uh, I'll hand over to you. Yeah, let's have a prayer. Dear Father in Heaven, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, for this technology, Lord, that we can just uh, study the Word and talk about Jesus' final week of ministry. I pray that you'll bless us and that you'll give us insights, things we haven't seen before. And may you speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I just quickly want to review what we talked about last week. Uh, last week we talked about Jesus' authority being questioned and this is taking place on a Tuesday. It's just a few days before Jesus is going to be crucified on a cross on Friday. And he's in the temple, he's teaching, he's preaching the gospel, and he's talking to the Jews, to the people there, to the multitude, and the religious leaders come along. And this is where you have the chief priests, 
the scribes and the elders, the chief priests were the Sadducees, uh, the scribes, they were for the most part the Pharisees, and these groups, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders, they are known as part of the Sanhedrin Council, the Jewish Religious Council, and they questioned Jesus. They said, by what authority are you doing these things? By preaching the gospel. And also the previous day, he was also, he cleansed the temple. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> that would have made him really upset and angry. And they also questioned Jesus, these religious authorities. They questioned him, well, where do you get your source of authority from? And do you remember, Jason, what uh, Jesus, how he responded back to them? I think he asked a question. Yeah, he did ask a question. And when you would have rabbinical debates or with these Jewish religious leaders, if you would be asked a question, you would respond back with a question. And by responding back with a question, then um, you would get the answer to the original question that was asked. And so he asked him a question about John the Baptist. And he asked him, his authority, is it from heaven or from men? And how did they respond? Uh, they said they didn't know. They couldn't, they couldn't answer it because I think they felt that either way they were, they were, they were going to be uh, in trouble. So. Yeah, they never endorsed his uh, authority mm. and neither did they endorse the authority of Jesus Christ. Yep. And so when they said, oh, we cannot tell you, then Jesus said, well, neither will I tell you. Mm. And then we springboard from there and we talked about how God delegates authority in three different areas. You have parental authority, civil authority, church authority. And and we spent some time looking at that and um, we ran out of time. And I'll, I'll just throw this in as well, that before Jesus Christ comes back again, uh, in the time of the end, authority will be an issue again. Right. And it was a problem already up in heaven. Um, authority was being challenged by Lucifer, and Lucifer made a devil out of himself. And when you go to Revelation 13, you read about this first beast. And a beast in the Bible represents some type of political kingdom or power or nation. But this beast is interesting because not only is it political, but it's it's also religious. So you Spiritual, have yeah. yeah, you have church and state coming together, and he talks about the dragon. And the dragon is symbolized there by Satan Mm. um, because the book of Revelation is a symbolic book and it says how the dragon gave this beast power and great authority. And and you just read Revelation 13 and I really can't dive into it, but the word authority appears like five times in that chapter. So authority is going to be an issue in the time of the end. And this first beast of Revelation 13, this religio-political power, is also sometimes referred to as the Antichrist power. Mm. And I, I remember, I don't know all the all the verses you know, in my brain, um, but I do recall that um, there's a, a lot in that Revelation chapter 13 which is about worship, isn't it? So there's, mm. there's mm. this... Authority that's connected to worship, and I remember in the in the um, previous episodes where we were looking at even the rocks would call out and worship Jesus uh, if uh, if the people were not worshiping. So um, yeah, so interesting. Well, let's uh, get into do- today's topic, and and what was it today? Uh, we we're, we're going on with the next few verses. Yes, uh, when Jesus' authority was being questioned, the next thing that happens is that Jesus will share three parables in a row. And a parable is a short story. It could be made up or it is uh, something that is true. But the point is it teaches a spiritual lesson. And we're going to deal with the first of these three parables. It is known as the parable of the two sons. Okay. 
and it's found in Matthew 21. So let's open our Bibles there to Matthew chapter 21 and verse 28. And it's only a few Bible verses. Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 to 32. And do you remember that there is also a, another parable called the parable of the prodigal son? Yes, I do remember that. That's a very uh, popular one or a well-known one. <laughs> yes, there's a father figure there and there are two sons. Yes. But that is a different parable than what we are studying today yes. and, and looking at. And only the book of Matthew records this uh, parable. Okay. So let's let's first read the Bible verses. I'm going to get you to read the Bible verses, Jason, verses 28 to 32. We're going to look at the big picture first and then we're going to zoom in. Okay. So I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible and starting at verse 28 of Matthew chapter 21. It says, But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go, work work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he regretted it and went. Then he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, the first. Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. Thank you so much for reading that. So we, this is the parable of the two sons. And I just want you to picture this. This is taking place on the Tuesday. Jesus is still in the temple there in Jerusalem. And the audience, you've got these Jewish religious leaders, the chief priests, the scribes, the elders, which are part of Sadducees and Pharisees, part of the Sanhedrin Council. You also have the multitude. They are the onlookers, and you have the disciples of Jesus Christ. And in this parable, who are some of the characters that we read about, uh, Jason? Well, we've got uh, the father, and we've got, or I assume it's a father, a man yep. who had two sons, so he obviously he must have been a father. <laughs> yep. um, there's the two sons. There's uh, one that seems rebellious, but then ended up going and doing the work, and one that seemed compliant, but then didn't do the work. Um, and then, of course, you've got the tax collectors, the harlots, and uh, John the Baptist is in there, and, of course, Jesus is actually talking to the uh, these these religious leaders that we'd mentioned before. Excellent. You summarized it really well. Did I miss uh, anyone? No, I don't think so. <laughs> um, no, you, you, that was excellent. You, you, you know, all these characters that we see. And it begins here, going verse by verse. It begins here in verse 28 and it says, But what do you think? So he, this is Jesus speaking to these religious leaders. And he begins here by saying, A man had two sons. And he came to the first, to the first son, and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. Now let me ask you a question, Jason. Do you enjoy working? Yeah, most of the time I do, yeah. But 
but sometimes not, depending on the work. <laughs> That's my point. It, yeah. it depends what the work is. Mm. And in here... I'm, the- I'm fortunate to have a good job. <laughs> I enjoy talking to you every Wednesday, Raike. <laughs> oh, thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. And I enjoy this too. But if you ask me to go and mow the lawn, oh, yeah. okay, I'll do it. I have to do it. I don't really want to do it, but I'll do it. Yeah. And so you think about the vineyard. It doesn't tell us here what you know what time of the year it is it doesn't tell us or oh, whether this was the time where you're planting seeds or whether this is a time of harvest but you think about working in a vineyard i don't think this would be easy work probably not and um i don't know yeah as you said uh, the time of year i don't know whether it'd be cold or hot but certainly you'd be exposed to the elements whatever they were yep mm. and i grew up in sydney and um, my dad is a, um, he, he retired uh, just a few, a few years ago. Um, it was almost 80 when he retired. You know, he's crazy, loves to work. And he was a painter uh, by trade uh, when he was in Sydney. He would paint buildings, hospitals, clubs. And as a teenager, he would say, Raiko, uh, look, uh, you need to come with me to work and I really didn't want to to be mm. honest you, you would have to get up early around 5 o'clock because you want to dodge all the traffic and yeah it, it was tough but I learned a lot of things about that and uh, I really didn't have a choice but I still respected my father and I mm. went along and my dad will always say two things to me number one Raiko don't be like me uh, work very hard so that when it is very hot outside at least you can um, be very cool and what he meant by that is there's air conditioning and when it is very uh, cold outside well you can be uh, inside and it can be very warm for you but there was another thing he always used to say to me and he would say Raiko three things um, work hard number one number two have the will to do it and number three enjoy or have fun with what you're doing mm. And it's interesting he talked about have the will to do it. And in this parable, it talks about the will of the Father. Yes. And, and I think this is a good time to take a break, Jason. It is. And uh, we've got a song here that, that talks about a work or a special work. Uh, it's called I Left Everything to Follow by Michael Card. And, uh, yeah, it really talks about how we have a choice to make. And I think the uh, what you were saying there about having the right attitude as well is important. Anyway, let's listen. Though sometimes I grow weary when the road's getting long. At each point of my weakness, you make me strong. And when doubt takes over, I remember it's true. I left everything to follow you. To stay safe or to follow, you asked me to choose. But how could I fail? When I've got nothing left to lose Without your call I couldn't make it It'd be impossible to do To leave everything and follow you Everything to follow Everything to follow Everything 
set me free Cause you left everything to be with me So with joy I embrace A faith that calls me from home And I will cling to your promise That I am never alone And with each passing moment I'll keep hoping it's true I left everything to follow you Everything to follow Everything to follow Everything to follow you Everything to follow Everything to was Everything to Follow by Michael Card. You're listening to Faith FM with Tazzy Encounters and Raiko Chelich. Now, Raiko, we were just reviewing or reading the parable of the two sons and uh, we are now at the time where we're going to dig into it a little bit deeper. Or yes. to use your phrase, zoom in. <laughs> zoom so in. let's zoom in. Um in, in verse 28, the father gives a command to his first son and says, go and work in the vineyard today. And can you read uh, verse 29 for us? Matthew 21, verse 29. Yep. So Matthew 21, verse 29 says, he answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he regretted it and went. Wow. He said, I'm not going to go. Yeah. And he was pretty open about this. Mm. And you can say he disobeyed, but then he regretted it. And when you look up this word regretted in the original language, which is Greek, it can also be translated as he repented. Right. And he had a change of mind. But what's interesting is he first says, I'm not going to go. Yeah. And he wants to, he wants to enjoy the privileges of sonship, but does not want to bear the responsibilities of sonship. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess an application is where there are people out there today who want to have a title and seem really important. And, and these things can even happen in a church environment. Oh, I want to be an elder or a deacon, but yet not really bear the responsibility and putting these things into action. But look, at the end of the day, the good news is that uh, in the end, this first son did go and work in the vineyard. Mm. Um, 
We go now to Matthew 21, verse 30, and I'm going to read about the second son. Can you read that for us, Jason, please? Yep. So, then he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. So, what's the difference between the first son and the second son? Um, well, the completely opposite. He he did seem or put forward the public um, uh, expression that he was going to go and do the work, but then he didn't do it. No. And the first son, he disobeyed, but then he had a change of heart. But the second son, he professed. Yeah, he professed. He, he, that he was, professed that was, obedience. That's a much better word than what I was trying to say. <laughs> no, I, I think you're doing great. Um, and the Bible never tells us why this second son didn't go to work. Was he lazy? We don't know. Did he have something to do? We don't know. But the two sons, they were asked the same thing, the same job, the same task, but they responded differently. Mm. And can you please read now verse 31? Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, the first. Do you want me to keep going? Yes, please. Yep. Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. Wow. Now, we'll get into the interpretation here mm. um, of this parable, but I just want to talk about tax collectors and also um, harlots. Now, a harlot, this word is not a really nice word, mm. and, and this can also be translated as whore, or in our modern understanding, it, it's a prostitute. Mm. And do you know how these people were viewed in the time of Jesus? Probably um, pretty poorly, I would think. Yep, they were they were seen uh, immoral. They were considered to be social outcasts and also religious outcasts. And they generally avoided the temple. And Jesus is in the temple and he's sharing this. And they were unwelcomed if they attended the uh, temple. And just, just looking at my notes here, there was a time where Jesus was with tax collectors and the Pharisees saw it. And in Matthew 9 verse 11 it says this, And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Mm. And so tax collectors, they're equated with being sinners. Um, they would exploit people. Uh, you think about Matthew. He was a, he was a tax person, mm. and he became a disciple of Jesus. He changed. And in Luke 5, verse 30, it says this, And their scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners. But there was one thing that Jesus, as he was speaking to these Jewish religious leaders in the temple, he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors and harlots, they enter the kingdom before you. Hmm. Mm. That's a, a challenging, uh, challenging statement. Yeah. Because, Imagine you, yeah. you're a Jewish religious leader. Hmm. A Sadducee or a Pharisee. How would you feel if Jesus said that to you? Oh, these tax collectors and, and, and these uh, harlots, oh man, they enter into the kingdom before you. How, how would that make you feel? I think uh, you would be shocked, first of all, but secondly, I think you would be angry that, um, in essence, you know, you, you, you are being targeted as you know, not even as worthy as the corrupted people in society. And I think that would be a pretty hard thing to, to take. Right. <laughs> I think so too. I would be probably thinking, who do you think you are, yeah, Jesus? exactly. Who, who do you think you are to tell me? 
But, but th- th- mm. there's a little bit of hope here too for the Pharisees and the Sadducees because it says they enter into the kingdom of heaven before you. Mm. So this kind of suggests, implies that they still have an opportunity to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Yes. And, and it's like probation just it, it, it hasn't closed for you. Mm. But I really want to get into the interpretation now uh, of this parable. You have the father, you have the vineyard, you have the first son, the second son, and what does all this mean? Now, I'm going to put you on the spot like I usually like to do, Jason, mm. and uh, I'll ask for forgiveness now. <laughs> <laughs> but who do you think the father in this parable represents? Well, I would suggest that uh, it's talking about God. Exactly. It is God the Father. What do you think the vineyard represents? I think it's the work that uh, God's followers or God's uh, people, you know, people who profess to be believers, profess to be Christians, um, there's a work to be done. And I guess the vineyard represents the work that we uh, need to do. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, in this context, um, from, what, from what I'm gathering from you, it's more like the world, right? Yeah. Um, but from this context here, it actually represents Israel, the nation of Israel. Okay. And Hosea chapter 9 verse 10 says, I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. Uh-huh. And grapes, you know, yep. this is part of a vineyard. And in Hosea, in, not Hosea, but in Isaiah chapter 5 verse 7, it says, for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. Mm-hmm. So in this context, the vineyard represents Israel. Israel. Yep. Right? And, and I could see how you've already given an application in terms of the larger scale that this world, you know, there's a vineyard out there and we need to go out there and, and proclaim the gospel and share the gospel. Mm. The first son, when we read things contextually, they represent the... Uh, tax collectors and also the harlots. But to be more specific, it represents sinners who have repented and mm. they've changed. Yeah. But when it comes to the second son, it represents the Jewish religious leaders. And to make it more clear, it's people who profess and speak, but they do not repent. They do not change. Mm. And so we have these two sons. And these two sons, they represent... Uh, two groups or two classes of people, those who are faithful to God and those who are not faithful to God. Yeah, but the, and the second, those who are not faithful, but those who are actually pretending to be or profess to be. Mm, mm, mm. And, and do you remember, do you remember, it was about two weeks ago, we, have, we had an episode on the fig tree? Yes. Where, where it has leaves, but it has no fruit? Yep. And... That was not normal because if it had leaves, it must have fruit. And so the fruit represents the fruit of the Spirit, and it's really the love, joy, peace. It's the character of God. So, again, you know, there's that point of deception and and, and not following God. Now, Um, there's a text. Yes, Jason? I'm just wondering if, uh, if it's a good spot to take a break or have you got a few more things to say? Oh, mate, I always have a, a, a lot of things to say, but, you know, you're the boss, you're the host, so, you know. <laughs> well, let's take a break, and uh, before we do, I just want to let you know we've got uh, a book to give away today. It's called The Desire of Ages, and uh, we have also been giving this book away on previous episodes, but again, we'll uh, make that available to you today if you're listening. 
and uh, the number to text us in on is zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. We'll tell you a bit more about the book in the next uh, segment, and we'll give you the code a little bit later as well. This uh, song is called "Everything Is Possible." It's a it's sort of a meditative song, but uh, again, I think it's relevant to our theme today.
Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM on Tassie Encounters. And today we've been reviewing Matthew chapter 21 and verse 28 to 32 with the parable of the two sons. But before we get back into our study with uh, Ryko, we'll just uh, give you a bit more information about our book that we're giving away today called The Desire of Ages. And uh, this is a bit of a description. It says, The Desire of Ages is a proven source of inspiration and enlightenment to millions of readers all over the world. And with good reason, for it deals with a universal yearning, the desire for living life to its fullest, with the knowledge that we are here for a reason that we are loved. So uh, we're going to be giving that book away and uh, we'll have a code for you coming up in the next section. Now, Raiko, we were just uh, getting to the point where we were talking about the two sons and uh, which one did the the will of his father and what the will of his father uh, actually is. And you were saying that we're going to have to do another whole study on the will of the father. So uh, then I interrupted you. So uh, where do we go from here now? Look, I just want to make the point um, when it comes to the will of God, um, the will of the Father, it it is really working in accordance with God's Word. And uh, I believe there there are many Bible verses talking about the will of God, the will of God, the will of God. And we don't have time to really look at this. And, you know, to our listener that's listening, you know, I would recommend, hey, just hop on the, um, maybe you have the Bible app and just type in the will of God and and do your own personal study. But there are times where people go, hmm, what is the will of God? And let me pray. And they're they're expecting that they'll get an answer. And I'm not saying God can't work like that. I, I believe God can. But many times, hey, go back to the handbook, to the to the to the source, which is the Word of God. And you know, it is God's Word, and it can speak to us, and we can know what God's will is. Mm. Um, let's continue. Can you read Matthew chapter twenty-one and verse thirty-two? Sure. It says, "For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him." But tax collectors and harlots believed him, and when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. Mm. So this is John, John the Baptist we're talking about, and right. it says here that he came in the way of righteousness. What what does that really mean? Uh, I'll, I'll answer that right now. Um, it's interesting because prior to this, Jesus' authority was being questioned, and he brings up John the Baptist, and now he brings up John again. Yeah. And he says that John came in the way of righteousness. Now, if you ask people today, what does this mean, righteousness? Most people would say it means right doing. Now, I do believe that, but I do believe that's part of it and there's more to it. Okay. And uh, what is the opposite word of righteousness? Um, I guess... Uh, evil or sin? <laughs> <laughs> evil. Um, the biblical term is unrighteousness. Unrighteousness. So, okay. you know, it's just the opposite. Yeah. And the Bible gives us a definition of unrighteousness. In First John five seventeen, it says unrighteousness is sin. Yeah. I did say sin, so I was, I was pretty much there. <laughs> and then, <laughs> that's right, you already went to the next step. <laughs> and, and sin... <clears throat> Sin, according to the Bible, is uh, the transgression or the breaking of God's law, according to First John three four. Yeah. So sin is lawlessness. So you get this picture: unrighteousness equals sin. And what is sin? It is it equals to breaking God's law or transgressing God's law. So if I work on the opposite principle, and that is okay, righteousness equals no sin, which equals keeping God's law. Let me ask you a question: Why do we keep God's law? 
Why do we keep God's law? Well, I guess for me personally, yep. it's because um, I want to honour God in my life. Uh, right. You know, some some might say that it's it's uh, to earn our salvation, but I actually don't believe that keeping the law is to earn our salvation. So for me, it's it's a response to to uh, to show that I I want to follow God. Okay, if you love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. So, so I keep God's law because I love, love. God. Yep. Right. So righteousness equals um, no sin, which equals keeping God's law, which equals love. And mm-hmm. it's interesting in a book called Thoughts and Amount of Blessings on page eighteen. In that book, it mentions righteousness is love. Right, So righteousness is more than just right doing. So John comes in the way of righteousness. He comes in the way of love. Actually, Second Peter 2.5, you read about Noah. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He's a preacher of love. Mm. And so John comes. You know, he wasn't this harsh guy. We sometimes picture him. You know, he was bold. He was unafraid. But he, he was still, I believe he still had love. And yet, these chief priests, elders, scribes, these Jewish religious believers, as the Bible says here, they didn't believe him. Mm. But tax collectors and harlots, they did believe him. And in the book, Desire of Ages, which I've been quoting for the last couple of weeks, on page 595, it says this, They, talking about the tax collectors, had been unthankful and unholy when told to go and work in the Lord's vineyard. They had given a contemptuous refusal. But when John came preaching, repentance and baptism, the publicans or the tax collectors received his message and were baptized. But it wasn't like that with these Jewish religious leaders. And in, in Luke 7, verse 29 and 30, it says, And when all the people heard him, even the tax collectors, and this is well before Matthew 21, which we're studying today, um, it says how the tax collectors justified God, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. And in this parable, we read about the passage of um, where it talks about oh, which of these did the will of the Father. Mm-hmm. And when it came to these Jewish religious leaders, um, with their experience with John the Baptist, it was like round one. But now with Jesus, it's like round two. Everything gets repeated. The tax collectors believed in Jesus, but the Jewish religious leaders did not believe in Jesus. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um. So, is it time for another break? I'm just checking our, our timing here, Raiko. I think it is almost time. Do you want to go to a break now? Well, maybe I should start um, just talking about some of the principles or some of the things we can learn from the parable. And I'll just share one, and then um, I think I've got five or six points, but I just will share one, and then maybe we can dive into, um, well, we can go into our, our song. The first point is that God is no respecter of persons. Yeah. And God gives the same instruction to both of his sons. Uh, he gives them the same opportunity. And, and the Bible says in Romans 2, verse 11, for there is no partiality with God. And which son was the good one? Which one would you say, Jason? Well, initially, at first glance, neither were, were good. But in the end, the, uh, the first son actually did the work that he was meant to do. So you'd have to come to a conclusion that he was the, uh, the good one. Absolutely right. You know, neither one was good. The first son was uh, self-indulgent. He was defiant. And the second son, he was self-righteous. And I think now it's time to go for our next song. 
I just wanted to pick up on that that uh, word when you just mentioned there again. The second son was self righteous. Mm. You know that seems to be the most common use of of this word righteous these days or righteousness. We have this negative connotation because it's always preceded with the self righteous. You know somebody's being self righteous and it's. Uh, it's it's almost got a negative connotation these ways, but the actual word means doing the right thing, really, doesn't it? Yeah, righteous. Um, but, you know, self, in, in the biblical context and, and theological concept, self-righteousness, um, it, it's sometimes, uh, it's more looking at others rather than looking at yourself. Mm. And, and you think you're right with God when you're not, and you can be deceived mm. um, by yourself. And the Bible says in the book of Isaiah, our righteousness is like filthy rags. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay, we're going to go to the break. And now, immediately after the break, I'll give you the code for our, our book today, The Desire of Ages. 0488880891 is the number that you can catch us on. And, uh, yeah, this uh, beautiful piece of music that I've uh, chosen here is called Be Thou My Vision. Now, many would know this as a hymn, and uh, this is, a, um, I guess, a modern version of it, but... It's beautiful, you know, it comes perhaps dating right back to the 6th century where the lyrics were written in Irish and then uh, later translated to English, set to an Irish folk tune. So it's my favourite hymn, Be Thou My Vision.
Be thou my vision. I love that uh, Celtic flute or Celtic whistle sort of sound. Um, now, we mentioned before the break that we we're going to give you a code for the Desire of Ages. I'll just remind you that the, uh, Devire, the Desire of Ages, it's a devotional classic by Ellen White. It tells the life story of the greatest spiritual leader the world has ever known, Jesus Christ. It does not merely set down a series of remote events. It presents the meaning of them so vividly that you will feel like you're an eyewitness to what is being described. That's uh, the Desire of Ages that uh, Raiko has read a couple of things from today. And uh, the code is 3MJ1. That's the number one. 3MJ1. And it's the number three at the beginning. Text that through to 0488-880-891 and we will get that book out to you. Now, Raiko, we're on the home stretch. We've <laughs> uh, got a few things to get through, so I'll hand over to you so we can uh, get into it. Uh, we, we started talking about what are some of the principles or what can we learn from this parable. And the first point was that God is no respecter of persons. Mm. Now, the second point is that any kind of Christianity that is based on mere profession has no value in the sight of God. See, there are people out there who give lip service and they say things and there is no action involved. And think of it this way. There are people, and I've given Bible studies to people where they say, yep, I'm going to honor God and I'm going to start doing this, but then they don't. Mm. And, and it can be really challenging. They're honoring God with their lips, but their actions are not showing that. And even uh, you read the book of Isaiah, uh, you have things like that being said to Israel. Oh, you know, you just honor me with the lips, but, you know, where's your obedience? Where's your action? Mm. And and I want to make it very clear. We are not saved by works. We are saved by grace. The Bible is really clear on that in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For you are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. But because we are saved by grace and we love Jesus, we want to put our faith into action. Mm. And, and it just becomes naturally. Um, point number three is good intentions without action is hopeless. Think about a businessman. A businessman might have really good intentions. Does he just become successful because he has good intentions? No, he has to actually do something. He's got to do something. He's got to put some action into it. He's got to work a little bit. Mm. And um, before I move on, Jason, are, are you a parent? Do you have any kids? Yes, I've got three adult children. Okay, you've up. got three adult <laughs> children. I'm going to ask you a question. Um, I really don't want you to answer it, but I want you to think. Um, when it comes to your children, are they more like the first son or the second son? Or maybe one of your child is more like the first son and your other child is more like the second son? Look, I'll, I'll answer it in a different way um, because when I read this little passage, it challenges me personally because I think when I was growing up, my brother was like the first son and I was <laughs> like the second son. And uh, that challenges me personally because, um, you know, sometimes, you know, we have the right intentions, but we don't actually follow through. And uh, that challenges me. Mm. Yeah, and, and sometimes my wife will say, oh, do this. And I'll say, yeah, I'll do it, but I don't do it. Yeah, that's right. You know, and, and then I'm more like the second son. Exactly. And so, you know, um, even when it comes to our spouse, we can praise our wives with our lips, but not spend time with our spouse. And, mm. and it's easy to say, oh, I love you, but you don't follow that up with actions. Mm. And, and when I was younger, I used to be, you know, always joking with my wife. Oh, she would say, I love you. And I'm kind of like, well, 
prove it <laughs> cook me some food or something like that um anyway she will probably talk to me after this episode um but you know the, the big question is well which one am i more like am i like the first son or the second son mm. see see the first son um he said i will not go and work but he did he he verbally disobeyed but initially and then he physically obeyed mm. and then the second son he said he will go but he did not go so there's verbal obedience, but then he physically disobeyed. And so it's important that we verbally and also physically obey. I, I was going to say, you know, maybe there should have been a third son that actually said, yes, I will go, and he went. <laughs> that's, that's really what we, we should be aiming for, isn't it? Yes. Um, the next point is also responding to the call of God. You can see how the two sons responded differently. And I guess to make this as an application is the first son said, I will not go, but then he went. And this is like people who, um, let's say in church, there's a preacher, he gives an appeal and they don't stand up for the appeal. They don't respond to the appeal. But when they get home, they decide, hey, I'm going to change. I'm going to repent. I'm going to do the will of God. But the second son is like a person who's listening to a sermon to a preacher and he stands up for the appeal but then when he gets out of the church nothing changes Mm. you know and and what's amazing is that the second son said to his father i go sir and that word for sir in the original language could is kurios in the greek which means master or lord Mm. and so here's this kind of like oh i'm respecting authority but he really didn't respect that authority um and the Bible says, behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice. I think for me, when I read this parable, what really stands out is um, the father said to the first son, son, go to the vineyard today and work. Yes. Those words, go and today. And then he actually said it likewise. The Bible says he said it likewise to the second son. So he also said to the second son, go work today in the vineyard. It wasn't like go and work in a year or in six months or in a month's time, but go work today. today yeah. And, yeah. and so I'm kind of asking myself, you know, what's my attitude? Am I waiting for something? Am I procrastinating over something? Um, because you know, by not exercising to go, you, you, I believe you start to become spiritually weak. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just want to go today. I don't want to be procrastinating. The other point, I think, and, and these are takeaways, these points that I'm sharing, but the other one is that there's two classes of people, those who are faithful and those who are not faithful. And there's going to be two classes of people until the time of the end, until Jesus Christ comes back again. In the book of Revelation, you read about those who have the mark of the beast, those who have the seal of God. You, you read about uh, uh, Cain and Abel right there in the beginning of the Bible. They represent two classes of people. You read about, read about how Jesus talks about the wheat and the tares, the sheep and the goats, um, hot and cold. And um, in, in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, it says, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Yeah. And, and so There's a uh, choice that we have to make, and, and we have to follow through on that choice. Right, right, right. And and I think I just want to come back to the point of this parable. Remember, the Father, uh, this is the interpretation. It represents God the Father. The vineyard represents Israel. The first son, yes, it represents tax collectors and harlots, but it's really sinners that have repented. Mm. And the second son represents, um, it represented religious leaders, but it represents people who have not repented. Mm, and they're, they're self-righteous. That's yeah. right. Okay. Um, 
Is there anything else? We've got like 10 seconds, Rocco. I'll give you 10 more seconds. 10 more seconds. Okay. <laughs> Prophetic time. Thank you, mate. Um, what we see is that on that Tuesday, there's this withered fig tree, and this fig tree has no fruit, it ha- which represents no not having the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, which is the character of God. Jesus' authority gets questioned in the temple by religious leaders. And now Jesus, he gives this parable to them. And what we sometimes notice is people that have no character of God, they then question authority. And then they're like the second son in the parable where they have so much to say. It's all lip service, but there's no action. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's going back, hey, I want to have the character of God. And... um, um you know, maybe our listener is has had the experience of the first son, where they said, no, I'm not going to follow you, God, but then they repented and changed. Or maybe the person who's listening now is more like that second son. And uh, I just want to encourage you, hey, uh, just the, you know, having Jesus, accepting Christ, and you will find peace in God. Yeah, amen. Well, uh, next week's uh, program with Ryko, just remember that code for today, 3MJ1, if you want to text in to get the book, 0488880891. And next week with Ryko, we're studying the parable of the wicked vine dressers. Um, that's going on in Matthew 21. So we'll uh, look forward to joining you next week, Ryko. Um, in the meantime, tomorrow we've got Peter Watts with Searching for Certainty and his topic tomorrow is Who Do You Trust? So I'm looking forward to that one. Well, today we're out of time, Ryko. I look forward to uh, catching up with you next week and enjoy the week in the meantime. Thanks, mate. And uh, to our listeners, we just uh, hope and pray that the rest of your day is fantastic. We'll uh, catch you tomorrow. 